Welcome to Who Knew. We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights into the modern regeneration of the show. Today's episode is episode 4 of season 3, Daleks in Manhattan. The Doctor and Martha travel to 1930s New York. Ah, you guys, what's with these big people? This episode is written by Helen Rayner, directed by James Strong. It originally aired on the 21st of April, 2007, and it was watched by 6.69 million viewers. Let's introduce ourselves. Hi, y'all. This is Frank. Hi, this is Auburn. Yeah, this is Josh. This is Brian. This is Eugene. (laughs) Tallulah, a Broadway actress, is in her dressing room, making out with her boyfriend, Laszlo. It's showtime, so she leaves, and Laszlo hears something moving about. He follows a mysterious figure and is attacked by a humanoid pig. Of course. That tired old story. <laughs> yeah, Aliens of London callback maybe, but not really. <laughs> That's right. I was trying to remember what the other pig man running around was. It was a smaller one, though. Right, right. Yeah. He was right. just scared. <laughs> that right. was a pig that they made into a human. This is oh, the opposite of a human they make into a pig. Spoiler. Completely different. <laughs> totally different. Yeah. Boy, it's an original <laughs> idea. Confused with... Martha and the Doctor arrive at the Statue of Liberty, and Martha reads the date of November 1st, 1930 from a nearby newspaper. The headline is Hooverville Mystery Deepens, which sends them to visit a shantytown that has developed in Central Park due to the stock market crash of 1929. There they meet Solomon and Frank and learn that people are disappearing from Hooverville. Um, I gotta say, like, we made fun of the, the dialects from New York, but as cartoonish as they were, I did think they were, like, perfectly accurate. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. That's how people sound. It's It was amped up. Even Tallulah? Eve, especially her. She sounded like she was from there. That's so why I don't know if, away. if she's, yes. <laughs> if, I mean, it, it, it had a certain cadence to that era, and, and especially, mm, like, that's true. like, entertainment wise like she sounds like the the one character from uh singing in the rain uh but uh just the the actual dialect again it's cartoonish but it it was all, almost everybody was perfectly accurate but i also think maybe it was i was watching it thinking this might be cartoonish because this may be what british people think people from new york sound like that's exactly what it is i'm sure um and I guess. No, and not New York, by the way. I think that's what British people think Americans, Americans sound like. <laughs> <laughs> because even and even the main uh, antagonist, he you know he had a stilted way of talking, but there weren't any slips in the dialect anywhere. I'm curious as to if they were British people putting that on, or they were people. From that area that... I'll tell you later. I I figured you would. We made notes. (laughs) I'm posing that speculation now. That speculatory uh, idea. (laughs) Jibba-jabba. Who's a what's-its? I am glad you said that, because I kept thinking, oh, this is too much. And then, well, they're doing it well. But I kept going back and forth as to whether or not it sounded good. Well, off of that note, even though we're a little early talking about it, though, Tallulah, as cartoonish as she was emotionally i thought she was very good that's something that happens on doctor who a lot is your first thought is like oh what are they doing and then your second thought is, oh they're actually i'm, I'm getting pretty wrapped up in this mm-hmm. no, they commit good. like all oh, the yes. actors yes. really yes. commit to whatever role do. it is and i think that's what sort of sells it like she was good uh if you're going to play a cartoon flapper in the 1930s <laughs> They're setting up the time with playing the background music or Rhapsody in Blue mm-hmm. and putting on the Ritz and getting all that going. And I liked what Martha said about the newsreels are just the black and white that you see and that never seems real to a lot of people. You know, now she's here and now they're colorizing a lot of the right. old footage that they're finding yeah, or finding yeah. color footage. Right, yeah. Which brings it to more of a reality for a lot of people. But what you just said made me think also too, like point of view wise looking at the Shakespeare episode, it's this idealized view of Shakespeare's era, people speaking in Cockney and Hey Nani Nani and that stuff. So in a way, and it was kind of amped up as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So this, this kind of is the equivalent to mm-hmm. that in a way. Okay. It just Yeah, I can New totally York. see that. And I think because the production people aren't from New York, I mean, correct, unless there were people on the show who were, um, they don't have, it, it is just a point of view from across the pond, as opposed to if you were a New Yorker making fun of New York, it would probably be different. Yeah, and I'm sure the British laugh at and cringe at our yeah, stuff that we, we write as, British. this is what England is like, yeah. and of course it's not. Yeah. <laughs> so. And if, if someone in New Jersey makes fun of New York, they get their butt kicked. <laughs> as well they should. Yes. <laughs> they didn't film in New York. Uh, so everything that you see of New York is 
around Cardiff, except they did send uh, probably a second unit. The director, the writer, and some Doctor Who confidential people. Yeah, and so they took, like, plates. Oh, really? So some of the, like, footage is... Yeah, so when you see the TARDIS materializing in front of the Statue of Liberty base... That's really there? That really is the Statue of Liberty base. But when you see the actors walk out of the TARDIS, they're in Cardiff. And (laughs) I always notice the bricks. Oh. Because the bricks on the statue, they're all symmetrical, uniform. But when when they're standing in front of the TARDIS and doing their scene... You can tell it's one of those British stone uh, walls that have been around for like 5,000 years. Uh (laughs) You know, all the bricks are like, well, we just have this size, so we'll just shove it in there and make it fit. What's funny is that in the Doctor Who Confidential, like, we found something that matched. I'm like, no, you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice try. Backing up a little bit, when Martha reads the paper, to me, that's my first uh, reference or homage maybe to back to the future when marty goes back and he gets the newspaper out of the Mm. trash bin in a hill valley Mm -hmm. and then this will happen some more so this is the first time i've noticing it uh you you notice the doctor's reaction is a bit more serious than usual right off the bat when when he looks at the paper um and he kind of keeps that through the whole episode he's pretty Mm -hmm. serious through this whole thing it's not he's not the fun doctor in this episode and he has uh, later on there's a great line that sums it all up, why he's why he's feeling the way yeah. he does. And also to that newspaper thing, that shows that Martha's a smart companion because mm-hmm. the doctor's like, smell that Atlantic air. <laughs> and it's about something, this and that. And then she goes, November 1st, 1930? Yeah. Uh, uh. And then he's like, oh, you read on the newspaper. <laughs> We're getting good at this. Oh. <laughs> but um, his seriousness is such a oh, juxtaposition to pig people attacking. <laughs> you know, just the, uh, the visual... That you're seeing. It's sort of the dichotomy of just the two of going some of this and the accents when you first hear them is something we don't hear a lot of now with that cadence. Um, When we first meet Solomon and he describes Hooverville, which, by the way, are real. There really were Hoovervilles. Oh, yeah. But a lot of people, I don't think, remember or know about Hooverville. So I think it was great that they brought that up. This was I, the first time I heard of a Hooverville was... Oh, really? really? Was, yeah. Was oh, wow. And you're the history person. And I'm the history person. I mean, of course, I know about the Depression, and I know about shanty towns going everywhere because no one had any homes. Um, but I did not know that they were called Hoovervilles. Oh. And when I learned that they called Hoovervilles, was like, good, he deserved it. Martha wouldn't know because she's not from America, so that's not part of her historical right. canon but the doctor knows and there's a quick line and then we're moving on yeah but i want to just go about hooverville there's an also a lot of other terms uh, derogatory terms for hoover hoover hubert hoover <laughs> was uh the hoover blanket which were newspapers uh right. hoover flag which were empty pockets because you didn't have anything mm-hmm. um hoover leather which was cardboard used for the shoes <laughs> soles that kind of thing so it was not just a Ville, it was more. <laughs> There's also uh, a music number in the musical Annie. We'd like to thank you, Herbert Hoover, which is all about that. And it's often taken out of the production because mm. it doesn't really advance anything. Really? Oh, that's interesting. But I was going to say about Solomon's speech, I don't like the writing. Yeah. It's too on, on the, the nose. Yeah, that's what I also like. wonder how integrated they actually were. It's like the race is just not mentioned. In any way, shape, or form. Well, in that speech There's it is. not in the speech it is. But, yeah. but, but yeah. no, but I mean in the in the sense of this is Solomon, who's a black man, who's in charge. In, in charge, yeah. In charge of this Hooverville. Everyone looks to him as the leader. He breaks up a fight between a white man and a black man. And there's no mention of race, racism, bigotry, segregation, yeah. anything. I but think... the black man still loses half his loaf of bread. <laughs> he has to give it to the so it's there okay yeah but like i like how they address it and brush it off in other episodes like in shakespeare's episode Mm -hmm. well you know you know i'm i'm you know black and he's like so it's not gonna matter look it's just like modern day right and Uh, it you know maybe that's not realistic but it at least acknowledges the issue and move and and then they kind of say, but that's not the issue that we're going to talk right. about yeah. in this episode. This one, it's just like over and over again throughout these two episodes. It's like you're. I don't feel like you're really in the 30s. Yeah, I right. just don't see people being so integrated. Even when you are down on your luck, yeah. but if you're down on your luck and you're competing for every scrap you can get, unfortunately, the blacks were on the 
bottom of that totem pole. It would enhance the difference. Yes, I do believe that. I like the fact that they just, you know, they, they, I I liked how it played out in the episode, but it was noticeable to me. But I wondered, like you were saying, is that something that they did for the episode? Because, you know, it's modern day and that's not the point of what we're trying to tell. And we just, we address it, but we kind of move on from it. Or... Were those was the sh- were the Hooverville shanty towns actually like that? Because every it kind of evened everybody out. From what I saw, like, trying to do some research on it, is that they were more segregated. They were more segregated. I can't imagine was, them yeah. not being. But again, like then that brings up a whole other plot. Line. I think it's just it's more a modern view. Of yeah, just, yeah. we're going to touch a quick, you know, just a modern view. Yeah. We want to have different yeah. people in shows. We don't want to always have to do with the racial. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. You know, Solomon does say. You know, when you're down on your luck, it doesn't matter. Everybody's right. equal. Mm-hmm. To me, that just... That's not enough. It didn't ring true. Yeah. And and I probably wouldn't mind it if everything else around it was working too. But I just don't like that. To me, that speech is just so heavy-handed writing. Mm-hmm. If I'm remembering correctly, isn't it the King Solomon? Uh, yeah. Y- you know... The baby and re- who's going to cut it for the, to give yeah. part of it to each mother. So that was the uh, so analogy. That, yeah, it's definitely with the splitting of the bread, you know, reference that... Which made me think, is his name Solomon, or was that just a nickname? Because he's running the place. But I think we might be reading too much into it, because it doesn't seem that they really thought in the writing of this to try and give it a lot of depth. You know, they are going, we're doing the idealistic view of, we want to cast this actor, it's great. Realistically, this may not happen, but we're going idealistically Mm -hmm. where the race is not going to be the issue. So we're saying that everybody's in the same boat. Right. That's what's going on forward. Yeah. Everyone's in the same boat. And I usually love that. I just It just didn't ring true to me in this. And maybe it's just because for me, there's something off about the whole thing. Where, and that's just episode? a nut. Yeah, the whole yeah, episode. Yeah, I'll agree with that. It just, you know, like on the Shakespeare one, it doesn't bother me a bit. No. I love the fact that the British say, we don't care. We're just going to do it. Right? Yeah. And so they do it. Great. That's more. great. But, you know, it's it's not, to me, it's just like makes me feel bad for America where it's like, oh yeah, that, not, that wouldn't have happened in real life, you know, because racism was just so prevalent. It, it, it's, it's a trade, it's a balance between like, you don't want to forget history, but you also don't want history to be like that, those bad points in history to win. So by kind of people not even really noticing it, then the bad guys don't win. That's the a good bad point. things don't yeah. win. You, you know, like 10, 20 years from now when a kid watches this Doctor Who if the, or streams it or however they do it or plugs it into their brain, um, <laughs> you know, it, racism didn't win. But then there's like, you know, with the Holocaust and this and that, you know, you know, never forget and 9-11, all these different things where, you know, do you let history rule you or do you kind of... I made a Hitler joke the other day, and, and I felt people be uncomfortable. And I'm like, we need to be able to joke about Hitler. <laughs> that way he loses. Right. Um, but people are very sensitive these days. Thank you, Mel Brooks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but the, the plot of this episode, these two episodes, could be taken out of this era and put anywhere else. Because yes. it's not tied to it. Right. It's not, so the, I'm glad that they put it in here so that we can at least remember and think about Hooverville and what happened with that. You know, So I think... We have to give it some slack. Yeah. Going, that's not the plot. They just put this in the setting. Yeah. They're establishing the setting without going too deep into yeah. it. I and I want to do that. Yeah. You know. And, and besides, I the actor who does Solomon is really good. He is really good. I recognize so. him from other stuff. I don't know. Do we know? If yes, we do. Okay. Do, you, do you guys want to take a guess where you've seen him before? Episode one, Captain Panaka. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Star Wars episode one. Yes. Who episode. <laughs> well, if you must. But yes, I, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Oh, yeah. To Brian's earlier point about Solomon's speech, I think even before that, the doctor talking to Martha about uh, the Hoovervilles and the history definitely, to me, started feeling like British people patting themselves on the back for <laughs> like the more socialized government that they have that they had at the time of this. I'm not sure currently. I'm not even sure then exactly. But it did feel... A little like how great the British system was because the U.S. system was leading, had led to Hoovervilles and this. I mean, that's... I can kind of kind of see that. But but I, I agree with you that Solomon's speech felt a little over the top, but I think it even started with like Early. the doctor setting yeah. it up. I can see that too. Yeah. I don't know. And the funny thing is like, I, mm-hmm. I, th- I feel that you could have expressed those 
ideas in the same amount of time because they're also under a time pressure. Yeah, there really was no subtext. Yeah, yeah. just kind of like, okay, soften it up a bit. I like that they went back to the original Doctor Who to be a history lesson for kids, mm-hmm. to give them some information about the history. So I like that aspect of it. Oh, I do too. It taught me. And I got a history degree and look how well it did. I didn't know about something until Doctor Who told me. <laughs> I learned about Hoovervilles in grade school. <laughs> I think I might have. I remember it from Annie Moore, though. Entertainment can educate. <laughs> <laughs> Towering over Central Park is the nearly finished Empire State Building. Inside the construction foreman argues with Mr. Diagoras. I hate that name. Telling him that they cannot finish the work Diagoras wants added to the top of the building by tonight. He threatens to walk and take all the workers with him. Mr. Diagoras says that the foreman should tell the new masters himself and rings for the elevator. When it opens, a Dalek emerges with two pig people who take the foreman away. I'm sorry, Josh, but this is the scene where I'm going enough with the New York accent. Well, yeah. Well, that guy, he was very... Well, I, I, we'll talk about it later, but I find it very interesting his before and after performance with when his character goes through a change later on. Yeah, that's true. But, um, oh, yeah, it's, it's very... Again, I'm not, crit- I'm not condoning or whatever the performance. <laughs> I'm just saying that there were no slips of the dialect where that's not how people would pronounce such and such because you hear you hear that's basically what i'm saying okay because there's a lot of uh east coast new york pronunciations that people think is are said one way but they're really not oh okay well well this guy diagoras eric lauren is an american from boston well yeah boston yeah so must have been killing him to do in new york yeah maybe (laughs) it's similar it's similar like when i went to college right now all the new yorkers are and bostonians are screaming at you (laughs) unsubscribe unsubscribe We ain't nothing like that, Boston. Boston. Yeah. Red Sox. Where's this guy, California? Who's he think he is? You've been out there too long. Why don't you call your mother? (laughs) She'll tell you what's what. The elevator door shows how there's not much subtlety in this. I mean, it looks like the high stock of a Dalek. Yeah, so they are blatant. Why would you need to have that visual when the episode is named... Daleks in Manhattan. Because oh, I can see it uh, if it's done well. And, yeah, but it's and, not and done it well. Is. That's what I'm saying. It's not done well. But it's blatant because, like I said in previous episodes, the Martha episodes, the Martha season, is more geared toward kids. The Dalek tells Mr. Diagoras, I hate that name, that they need more men. <laughs> <laughs> so Diagoras goes to Hooverville to recruit workers. He offers the pitiful amount of $1 a day to clear debris from a collapsed sewer tunnel. Solomon says the pay is extremely low considering all the accidents that happen. The doctor, intrigued by the missing people and accidents, volunteers along with Martha, Solomon, and Frank. The four make their way through the sewers to where Diagoras said the collapse would be, but instead they find an organic, gelatinous, dead glob that looks like a cross between a brain and a jellyfish. Who thought he was going to lick it? I did. I did. I did. <laughs> or, or at least lick his fingers after licking it. But I could hear I mean, Kelsey's voice. Yeah. Oh, that was yeah. Arlene. It's, it's actually Arlene. Arlene. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, if he would have licked it, we would have had a shorter episode because he would have been like, Daleks! <laughs> so what you're saying is he should have licked it? He should have licked it. Oh, okay. This would have made a shorter episode. Mm. Did the doctor in season one see the Dalek in its true form? In that episode? Yes. When it opened briefly. And he right. had seen them before. He had seen them before. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little surprised it didn't, he didn't, it didn't that occur. That didn't look them. like a Dalek, though. Yeah. But I thought the prop was sufficiently disgusting. Oh, it was. Yeah. It was I like Martha's reaction to yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> the she, she sells it. She does well. Yeah. And she's and, a doctor. And then when, <laughs> when, when he, like, when he goes, cl- puts his face close to it and she reacts to him doing that. That's great. Half of acting is reacting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So when Diagoras is offering the who's going to come in, in the work, yeah. again, that just, to me, it just didn't ring true. I don't want this to be, you know, have been a show about racism, but I don't know. Maybe if they had done that, it would be a much better episode. But again, that bugged me. And even Martha volunteering to do the work mm-hmm. and getting chosen to do the work. Yeah. Not because she's black, but because she's a woman. Yeah. I, I mean, don't see them doing that. I don't, right. I, it just... You know, so it's not, so it's, they didn't pay, and they know that they didn't pay them enough that they can get out of Hooverville. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they keep going. It's like, oh yeah, these accidents keep going off and people are dying. And it's front page news. So it's not even just like an isolated thing. Yeah, that's true. It's well known. Right. And 
it's again, it's just kind of like, again, they're moving the story along. They needed to set up a way where it's the four actors and, you know, nobody else. I just, again, wish that there had been another pass of the script just to make right. it just a little bit flow a little bit better, you mm. know? I thought all those things too, but again, I also then just felt like, well, I think they made a decision. Right. Well, to move past you know, those to, to move, certain you know, things yeah. in the making of this episode. Yeah. To, to just. We either have to stop and address all this stuff, or we just have to not make it as much of an issue and hint at it. Yeah, and I guess right. that comes uh, from uh, us being American and that being our history that we have a more that's a good point. direct connection good to point. it. That's a really good point because I'm, it's a hot button issue yeah. even nowadays. Right. when you go back to then, whereas that and that's not even a hundred years. Well, it's actually, it's almost a hundred. Almost. Years ago. And, you, you know, you are yeah. maybe right about that because I'm able to, you know, again, going back to Shakespeare Code, yeah. where, you know, they have the one line, don't don't worry about being black, and I'm fine with it. So, yeah. maybe, I don't know. I mean, it could be, you know, like... It also could be that the episode earns it. It could also that's be true. that if mm-hmm. this were a great episode... We would, be, itself, we would be okay be like, with that. I'm glad they didn't waste oh, yeah. also screen that, time on discussing racism, you know? The person who said that is William Shakespeare, and the whole thing is touting him to be an, uh, uh, you a, know, genius. A, a genius who's outside the norm. Yeah, and we buy it. And we buy it. Yeah, or I bought it, at least. I don't know. And, and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not buying it in this one. No, I no. don't disagree with you, but I, I just was... Again, it's, 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 it's a lighthearted episode where heavy things They're, are treated lightheartedly. Yes. Is that okay or not? Well, in this this episode, I think what they really wanted to concentrate on was the class aspect. Like, you get that yes. through that first speech. You yeah. get that through Frank's little bit of speaking here. You get that with the uh, Empire State Building in the background. Of Hooverville. Of Hooverville. Yeah. Yeah. Or the shadow. Of, in the yeah. shadow, yeah. yeah. And then I think that also ties into the, the end of the story in the next episode mm-hmm. with, like, what does it mean to connect right. Daleks and humans? Mm. So... Yeah. Uh, Right. I think they left the race story on the table because they they were concentrating on the yeah. class story for for better or for worse probably for worse like not to mention it at all but that's excellent because for a british person class is something they struggle with mm-hmm. we don't in america yes we have issues you are right this was written from more of a british perspective for a british audience they're focusing on class. Whereas when we watch this and see the class stuff, we just kind of go, yeah. Yeah. But what about this racist stuff over here? Mm-hmm. And a British person might flip that and go, oh, yeah, there was racism. But look at this class stuff over there. I mean, I'm, I could be completely wrong. Well, also back then, race was connected to class very heavily. Mm-hmm. Previously, like in Shakespeare Code. And there, they made it like a running gag with Shakespeare you know, using all these allusions to Martha, like, mm-hmm. like, well, like, we're not going to repeat it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Whatever they were, go back and watch that show. But, you know, obviously, she also reacts to it. Right. Too, like and the reads. show is able to address that issue. So it's not like they're blind to it. It's just in this, they decided to turn a blind eye, which I think was a wrong decision. I agree. Especially later in this episode where they do like the intelligence tests. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Where we're like, come, oh, on. come on. And then yeah. all the workers and uh, Diag. Diagoras. Diagoras's. <laughs> no one likes that. Diag- yeah. No he came up with the Diagoras theorist. Yeah. All the workers there are, are all white mm-hmm. and all very British looking white people too. Like the blue eye. Yeah. Uh, Shaved head. Fair skin. Are you trying to make yeah. a Hitler joke? Trying to make a British joke. No, because those wouldn't be funny. Right, that's mm. right. Not yet. <laughs> well, on the lighter side, Sorry. those people who are just watching this episode for the first yes. time or, you know, or after have recently watched a few, it. You know, a few years, look and see, oh my gosh, it's Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where we watched it when it first came out and it was like, oh, it's this new guy. He's got something. I think we'll see him later on. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> He'll develop. And what is that accent? (laughs) I mean, golly, that accent just does not work. I I didn't think he did bad. Oh, he thought he did bad. He said he thought he did bad Um, because he didn't know why he was talking that way on the set. He does that again. I watched too much Dukes of Hazzard when I was younger, (laughs) so it's fine. But he does that accent again in... um, Hacksaw Ridge. That's right. Oh, yeah. It's very simple. Is it the same accent? It's pretty much the same accent. Because there was an interview with him where he he was going, why am I talking this way? (laughs) Well, maybe it's... 
I don't. To me, it sounded the same. Like Auburn, does it sound the same? I I felt like it was the same accent yeah. from Hacksaw. Well, that Hacksaw Ridge's accent was yes. this accent. It's just I, with I, a little bit of coaching. I just envision that everyone from the South so. cringes <laughs> when they hear that. Now is now when you guys were going to talk about some of our actors uh, and their I guess origins, we could. just because uh, Andrew Garfield is British. No, no, he was born in America. Oh well, grew up in Britain, but but he has a British accent. British accent. He has yeah, an accent. He has an accent. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry, I will rephrase that. He lost his American accent because <laughs> we all have accents, right? And then Solomon, it sounded like you guys did some research into his character, yeah, into his his actor. Yes, the actor is Hugh Quarshy. And he's from Ghana, and he's he grew up, I guess, in uh, England because he's a member of the Royal Shakespeare Company. Hmm. And other than Captain Panaka in Star Wars Episode One, he was Sunda Castagir in Highlander, if you remember that. The TV show? Oh, that's right. The movie, the movie. The original that's movie? That's right. Mm-hmm. The original movie? Yes, the original movie. <laughs> it's here. It's in New York. Yes. That's who he is. Yeah, yeah. He's oh, that wow. old. He didn't look that old. Oh, wow, dude. the quickening. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make a bad joke. <laughs> I think Frank knew what I was going to make. Uh. <laughs> you probably didn't see this one. He was Detective Joyce in Nightbreed, who also was in Nightbreed, was Eric Lauren, who played Mr. Diagoras. Oh. Eric Lauren was also the cook in Memphis Bell, and he was a mm. War Department lieutenant in Private, Saving Private Ryan. Oh. <laughs> but they have a good cast. I mean, these are some talented this is people. A good cast. Oh, in this mm. show. I thought you meant in this Saving episode. Private Ryan. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, no. It is yeah. A, no, but I mean, they've done it. <laughs> It's a strong uh, cast. It is a very strong cast. What they're about, doing, um, so it's just it's something doesn't work yeah, they in this commit. episode. But it's like it's, I think it's, I think the writing is just very on the nose. Yeah, and and it's it's kind of like the, the lack of subtlety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of just lays it yeah, out there. It it's doesn't just, really give an actor much to work with flat. when they're just mm-hmm. saying row row your boat. Uh, what about Tallulah? Tallulah is Miranda Rison. She's English. She's uh, done a lot of stuff. For uh, Thomas and Friends, the the train cartoons oh. voices, and but upcoming, she is going to be in Murder on the Orient Express, directed by Kenneth Branagh. And then Laszlo is played by Ryan Carnes, who is American. He's a drummer. He's a musician. He was uh, Lucas Jones in General Hospital, Kit oh. Walker in the New Phantom, the nine, 2009 version of the Phantom, and he was Justin in Desperate Housewives. Oh, that's where I remember. Him. Yeah, I remember from that. I would really love to hear the actor who plays Diagoras. I'd love to hear his normal voice. He probably does. I mean, he probably put on a good, hard Boston accent. Oh, well, yeah. I just want to hear right, how right, hard right. his Boston accent is. It's probably wicked There's hard. There's a scale. Wicked. <laughs> wicked? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now you're not really? We don't want any Boston people coming to hunt us down here. I'd be more afraid of them. Let's <laughs> not talk about anybody from Philly. You know, we have to change our name. <laughs> So switching slightly, I think that uh, Frank shows that he's good companion material. material. <laughs> oh, that Frank. Yeah. Okay. Oh. The Spider-Man Frank. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, I mean, you can see like there's sort of a little hint of maybe a romance between Martha and Frank at this point. Keep going. Statutorily. I don't think it's romance. Going, there's it's a Martha. Anyway. There's a connection. They're talking. I think it's an outcast connection. Yeah, I do too. Okay. But I'm saying there's a connection, right. and one time I watched it, I read it as romantic, and the other time I watched it, I did not read it that way. I but w- Frank noticing that there are no bones around and thinking that those yes. people who are taken are still alive. And he's very That's observant. That's for yes. the companion aspect. Mm-hmm. He's smart, observing, and I think if the doctor were noticing more, there would be something there. Plus, he also wants to help. Yes. It's kind of like Adam from season one, but we like Frank. <laughs> yeah, I like Frank a lot. Because he's a, he's a young guy. Yeah, he's... he's, yeah. he's you know, he's one of those characters you don't want anything bad to happen to. Mm-hmm. I like, like his hat. They mentioned about how <laughs> oh, yeah. the costuming was like, we have to have hats. But we can't have everybody have hats. <laughs> because they were saying that people hat act uh, in, the, in the thing. Yeah, but everybody wore hats back then. I know. I'm just saying or that it was a choice. <laughs> We've been walking for a very long time. Where do you think we are? And the doctor does it. And he does it like, this. well, we're right under Manhattan. And it's like, yeah, you're in Manhattan. You've been walking around. <laughs> of course you're right under Manhattan. I mean, I wanted Martha to be like, duh, where are we? That's when the Buffy line, does the word duh? mean anything to you is perfect. <laughs> I mean, seriously. It makes me kind of think, I wonder if the people who wrote this didn't realize that Central Park was in the middle of Manhattan. That's the weird thing. The, the writer did go to Manhattan, or New York, 
yeah. to film those uh, what do you call it coverage and the stock shots and things so they do know the yeah, geography it was, it was written before that though they, they could have fixed it yeah you know. and for a British audience yeah. like that's that's as much as it means yeah they don't like know. I think it would have been mm. stronger if he would have said I think we're right under the Empire State Building mm-hmm. yes. like because that would have connected right. the next right. scene better that actually makes him smart right where Manhattan like <laughs> But you're right. I'm yeah. All three of you. It's the show written for kids for British kids (laughs) with no subtext. subtext. (laughs) Yeah. All right. That's exactly what it is. I worked on a show that was set in New York, and I don't know the geography of New York. I've never lived there, and so I would be using Wikipedia and the internet to try to figure out like, okay, what neighborhood is this in? And early on, like I put in Manhattan because that's what came up. I'm like, all right, that works. And the the EP at the company was like, yeah, we know we're in Manhattan. That's the whole island or whatever it is. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll change it to something else. So it's not a hard mistake yeah. to make for somebody who. Isn't intimate but with the geography true. of the, the that shouldn't have been the, the burrows. It shouldn't have been the yeah. Yeah. If it was yeah. supposed to be a bit of a snide joke, he should have. He should have delivered it, it differently. Yeah. yeah, and I, and I agree. I think a more specific, like the building, would have been better and more dramatic than just. Or yeah. if he said, "I think we're still under Manhattan." Yeah. Or, yeah, I think what Brian is getting at, it doesn't ring true to the doctor's character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. He should have been, you know, he might as well have said, I think we're still under the sun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Are we still in America? Well, Earth. <laughs> We've been walking for like half a mile. Yeah. <laughs> Dagris tells the construction workers that they need to attach special metal plates to the base of the spire on top of the building. They protest, saying that it is too cold. Their hands would go numb, and they would lose their grip and fall. Dagris threatens them to do it, or they will be replaced. They reluctantly pick up the metal and climb the outside of the building. The Dalek arrives, and it and Dagris reminisce about past wars affecting their species. Dagris says he will do whatever it takes to rule New York. The Dalek receives instructions from another Dalek who is watching the conversation remotely. It is to bring Diagoras to the lab so that the final experiment can begin. There, they reveal themselves to be the Cult of Scarrow. You didn't mention what the metal looked like, though. So what did the metal look like, Josh? The metal... Looked like the half spheres that are on the Daleks. Ooh. Because it was. Well, I know, but we don't know that yet. (laughs) I just, when I originally saw it, I I just thought they built that. Yeah. Right. I found it interesting that the spheres connect. There's not just domes on the outside plating of the Dalek skirt. What do you mean? Are they, are they, is that one piece of metal with the dome going through it? That's what I'm thinking. It looks like that. It it was flat on the bottom. No, 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 it wasn't. I always take it as two pieces. I thought it was either two pieces. Because in the episode Dalek, the spheres remove themselves and they're spheres. Oh, you're right. Oh, you're right. right. Yeah, that was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Okay. But. Later, when they do show where they come from, there's not divots there. Yes, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> You're the, right. It's uh, on the backside of Dalek Thay, I believe. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, back to this speech with Diagoras. I hate that name. <laughs> anyway, I think it's interesting that Diagoras has the same... He's also affected by World War One in the same way that Solomon is affected. But these two individuals have different outcomes of how it affects them. Solomon is more about rising above adversity and trouble, where Diagoras has become more insular and selfish. And, you know, I want to rule New York so that this doesn't happen to me again. It's just a weird dichotomy between these two characters. I, I like that. I like that point. Mm-hmm. Also, Diagoras wasn't anybody higher up. He didn't have money before the crash. He was the foreman. Yeah. And then the Daleks psychically gave him ideas and he mm-hmm. talks about that and i think this scene where the daleks came gave him ideas helped him and elevated him and used him as their liaison to the elevated the, him yes elevate. <laughs> so i thought that was good where it's like they needed somebody you were picking you yeah you know even solomon said this is strange but this time is strange for people who were had millions of, yeah you know, now have nothing and it switches back yeah despite all our criticism of that uh scene but earlier I think it's great that Solomon points out that there's a lawyer, there's this, yes. there's that. And I think that's and good. that's true. That's good. That's true. What's not good about this scene, though, is <laughs> they have a Dalek reminiscing. Dalek Khan reminiscing. But he's one of the 
the cultist, the cultist scarf. Yes. Well, yeah. So yeah. they are different. They are. But this conversation is like a conversation between two war buddies. Right. Yeah. I don't disagree with you, but I just think it's all leading up to these Daleks are different. But I think because of the temporal shift, something happened in Sec and something happened in Khan, who are the two higher ups. Right. But it is odd that he's reminiscing about New York. There's always a city of New York throughout history. Uh-huh. You know, no matter how many news you put in front of it. This is a melancholy speech out of a Dalek. And to me, on top of everything else, it's just one more thing that just doesn't ring true. Mm-hmm. I think, again, it's a symptom of that, like, and that didn't give it another pass of yeah. pairing it back. Also, I hadn't considered the way you look at it or how you all looked at it, where it's like, these are Daleks that have changed. Mm -hmm. I try to rationalize it in my head is that he's playing Diagoras. He's testing Diagoras. He's trying to figure Diagoras out to see if Diagoras is smart enough to participate Mm -hmm. in the final experiment, which is what Dalek set goes, we're going to use him. Mm I've, you know, you've gotten out of him what we needed to know, so we are now going to use him. That's how I rationalize it in my head. And Khan says you would make a good Dalek. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, because they're similar, so he's made that connection, so that backs you up on that. Yeah. And I, think, I still don't like it. I, I think, <laughs> I, I, think I, I remember... I like my Daleks pure. <laughs> you but would make a good thing. Dalek. Dalek. <laughs> Dalek racist. I mean, that's great when they first did the Daleks, because they were just pure. Yeah. But throughout all the different seasons, throughout mm-hmm. the They had to do something to survive. Of all these changing and people bringing new things into it. That when they first reboot this, Russell put in the episode Dalek. Yes, which I love. Which the Dalek was changing. Yes, I mean, but they gave, it, they gave it an instigating moment there when she touched it. So something happened we, to we that Dalek. We found out the explanation But Mickey of also what touched this. The arc, uh, no, in the arc, the arc in Doomsday, which would have changed... Oh, well, there you go. The whole Dalek race. But I understand it's not a pure Dalek, but I'm thinking the only thing that gets me because of the, the temporal shift screwed them up a bit. Which, what is Because they had the temporal shift from Doomsday because and they got the emergency temporal part shift. and got thrown back into the 1930s. Do you remember the moment in Doomsday when the Rose and the Doctor opened up the void and they're all being sucked yes. in? There's one brief shot where we see Dalek Sec going, ah, emergency temporal shift, and he disappears. All four of them disappear. We don't see all four in the episode. We just see Dalek Sec disappear. Okay. No, I totally, I mean, I vaguely remember that, but I totally wasn't. So that answers where they went. Totally understandable. But they were thrown back to the 1930s. So much happens in these shows. (laughs) Or 20s. Or 20s, yeah. This probably took a while. (laughs) They caused the stock market crash. They they got thrown back to the Depression era in New York. Okay. I find that very interesting. I like this episode a little better now. (laughs) Um... But I agree with you on a lot of this. I'm just how I always do it as I rationalize a lot of things I don't like. They gave a doctor scene Mm -hmm. to a Dalek. Yeah. You could make this work, right? Like we had Dalek in the first season and talking about the time war. And you felt sympathy for that Dalek and it was well written and it worked. Yeah. You know, it worked from beginning to end. This one, this scene just seems to like, just kind of like come out of nowhere. I almost think it would be better if Diagoras was talking to that foreman trying to get out of working at night because they would have been, maybe he would have been in the war too. And then the Daleks are observing them, seeing if Diagoras is, you know... That would have been way better. Worthy of becoming converted. Yeah, and we just see Dalek Sack watching the two yeah, humans that would have been better. Yeah, yeah. totally. Who, what other episodes did this writer write? She goes on to write another two-parter in future seasons, or fu- a future season of Doctor Who. Oh. <laughs> in the sewers, the Doctor's group is chased by pigmen. They make their way up a ladder and are able to get out, except for poor Frank. The ladder leads to a theater, where they meet Tallulah, who points a gun at them and asks them what they did with Laszlo. The Doctor tells her that Laszlo is not the only person missing, and she tosses the prop gun aside. Solomon confesses that he left Frank in the tunnels because he was scared. He returns to Hooverville to tell them that people are being abducted. They're not just missing. He rallies the men, and they arm themselves. During the sewer chase, the doctor wants to go alone, and he does this again later uh, in this episode. But at this point, he tells Solomon to take Martha and Frank because they'll, they'll slow him down. Um, and just, again, it did seem like a little out of character to me at the time. So just bringing that up now, um, 
because he does do it again later. So I don't know if there's a connection there. I don't know if that rubbed anyone else the wrong way or because it was like a suggestion that then wasn't carried through either way, but didn't seem to serve like a greater story point. There's a lot of padding in this episode. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. It might just be, they're stretching this out to be two episodes because they had the end point in mind and then they're like, Oh, we have (laughs) to get to that point. And I have in my notes uh, a scene earlier with this and maybe you got, we'll talk about it. But when Diagoras arrives to the cult of Scarrow where we're introduced to them again, he steps out of the elevator and starts putting on gloves. I noticed that yeah. too. So what happened with that? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it when he gets converted. Okay. I'll bring it up then. Okay. Because it was interesting because the guy's working on the 100th floor. The 100th floor. One of them has yeah. gloves yeah. and the other guy's going out there barehanded with these metal plates. Right. And it was the same well, guy was complaining about yeah. his hands gonna be yeah. cold. Yeah. But Did, he also just had this, he's, he's standing on this open ledge of 100 floors up on November 1st without gloves. Yeah. And then when he goes down into the basement is when he decides to put his yeah. gloves on. I noticed that too. Yeah. Going, there's got to be a reason, but for the life yeah. of me, I cannot figure out why. We'll answer that later. Yeah. Okay. When we get to it. <laughs> I really like the lighting in the tunnels and the whole set design. I don't know if it's a set or if they actually had a place. Yes. location. It looked good. But the lighting, I yeah. thought, it did was look really good. good in this. And when they're running back and forth, it doesn't seem like they're One set. on the same set. Yeah. yeah. Really That's going true. back. It's it like, made I sense. thought that was really done well. It made sense that she got lost when she got lost. Oh, yeah. Not like in Prometheus. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. I have a weird New York question to ask of the only person who's from New York. Do the sewers, I probably don't know. Are there really sewer exits and manhole covers into buildings? Like the theater? Oh, oh I don't know. Um, maybe back then. And theaters tend to be converted from other things all the time. Okay. There's banquet halls that were banks and stuff like that. So It's almost a, what's the word? Too convenient? Trope? Oh. A, a of New York. Like, I remember oh, the old oh. Beauty and Beast TV show. Like, to get into the underworld, you went into buildings and the secret en- entrances were down there. And it's like, there's a manhole cover in the <laughs> basement of this theater that goes to a sewer. Maybe Someone Russell's from, a fan of Beauty and the Beast and he was like, put that in there. Yeah. <laughs> Someone from New York would joke, yeah, you go down there to the sewer, you end up in New Jersey. <laughs> there was a uh, cut from one scene to another which reminded me of 80s television because uh, Toluda was yes, saying, know. you know, what'd you guys do with Laszlo? And Martha says, who's Laszlo? The vocals, uh, Toluda starts talking but it's from another scene so they're just still staying on Martha. So it's like, is she answering her now? But no, then they cut visually where you see they're all sitting down you know, she's sitting down it's a whole different room and yeah. she's telling the story and it just seemed like an odd that's a different room that's a different room yeah you know it just seemed like an There's odd little transition yep. it was like all this something happened you know just a time shift over to this new place so it's just I've seen it on so many different shows in the 80s oh, you know it it's just, never noticed it works well here that the time is compressed mm-hmm. but then right. all this other stuff they took their time on right. like why <laughs> I mean, I liked it. It was a good switch, but it just, for some reason, jumped out at me at this one. Mm Mm-hmm. I noticed it too. Uh, Again, just going to the class, like, focus of this episode, you know, even Tallulah, she's like a singer, an entertainer. Oh, right. And like what most people would consider like, well, not even like, I think most people would consider that like above a blue collar job. Yeah. Right. But even she is, you know, one paycheck away from living in Hooverville. Mm -hmm. And so it's really like. She also mentions that no one's looking for Laszlo because he's just a stagehand yeah. so who cares yeah and i also think the way she talks and the way that they definitely made all of the, the the showgirls talk was they're only not lower class because they're doing this mm-hmm. yes like that's the like there's something about being an actor or a performer that that puts you above the, the lowest class but they're still that type of person mm-hmm. although it is interesting that Tallulah is looking down on herself and she's like honey i only have one song in a musical stage review but if you the 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 shot outside the theater showing this poster she's the headline mm-hmm. you know it's like Tallulah so it's like but you're the star of the show off, off Broadway I guess <laughs> it's true and during the depression right but still come on you moved up you, to you've got position. something they're having a meeting of Martha and Tallulah and they're having to talk about the relationships and her love of Lazo. Now he's gone. And, mm. but you got a great guy with you. And right. Martha goes, Oh no, it's not like that. Oh, he likes musical theater. <laughs> <laughs> what a waste. Like, <laughs> so there were the gay jokes back in 30 about musical theater. I mean, no, but there now, were gay but, jokes in Doctor Who during this season. Even the, in this know. episode, there are a couple others. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's more of a Russell thing. Or I would say punch it up, you know, add in a little humor. Yeah. Well, it is theater, so it was always there. Right. But no one would talk about it. 
you know, county and it wasn't. Yeah, but, it, but, it wouldn't, <laughs> but, but it wouldn't be talked about, I don't think. Hmm. It didn't ring untrue to me for her to say that. I thought it was a funny little line. Daleksek states that it is time for the final experiment to begin, but the other Daleks say that humans are inferior. Daleksek argues that the cult of Skaru's purpose was to find ways to survive, and they can only do that by merging with a human. Daleksek opens up his casing and orders Diagoras to be brought to him. He reaches out with his tentacles and envelops Diagoras. I haven't seen that before. I mean, that was a very different type of Dalek move. (laughs) I haven't seen the skirt open up, just the upper middle torso housing. (laughs) And when you did see the, I I never got the impression that there was that much more tentacleness. Yeah. But also the one we saw was sort of shriveled up. Maybe this is what pure Daleks look like. Maybe. Mm. What was the other one pure? It was just shriveled up. It was just dying. All right. There goes that there. (laughs) Looked more like Kang and Kodos. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> if you know a better way to exchange amino acids. <laughs> I mean, it makes a good point of if we're so superior, why aren't we winning? Mm-hmm. Why are we losing? Right. We're almost extinct. Yeah. And th- when he says that moment, like Daleksek is giving his speech of why they're doing this and the other three Daleks are kind of they look at each other like this guy's crazy no, yeah, I, I, love that, <laughs> I just all they have to do is turn a Dalek's head and yeah. it's like you read you can yeah. read so much of what's going on time he's I, yeah. nuts because one time I read there he goes again yeah. there's our fearless leader <laughs> Well, I think it's because the little movements we project because there's no emotion. On yeah, there. that's true. We, we're putting whatever we <laughs> yeah. want onto that. Well, it's the same thing that they do with R2. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, it's it that totally same is. thing where yeah. you just do some subtleties and it really pays off. Yeah. yeah. There's something about it that didn't really make it great. I can't, I can't find the right words, but I think it was animated well and, and performed well enough. I thought that was better than most of the mats they had of showing them looking, overlooking Manhattan. That's the weird part, because mm-hmm. they went and they shot those. Those are supposed to be it's real. Compo- well, it's, comp- it's the composite. I, I know, but I'm like, why didn't they make that work better? <laughs> well, they didn't have a... Maybe they had a freelancer all, on the composite. They put all the budget into Dalek Sec. Yeah, maybe. Taking in Diagram, whatever. Oh, I bet you that's very true. Yeah, the battle shell is very roomy on the inside. <laughs> you can fit a whole other person It's bigger on in the inside. There with them. <laughs> During Tallulah's next performance, Martha sees Laszlo in the wings. He has been partially changed into a pig man, and she runs after him, disrupting the show. Backstage, the doctor uses a DNA scanner built from theater props in his Sonic, as you do, to identify the glob they found in the tunnels. Its origin is Scarrow, so he hurries to find Martha. He runs into Tallulah, and they both hear Martha scream as a pigman takes her. They follow and descend into the sewers if with the, your hand at the level of your eyes. If the doctor would have licked the brain earlier on, avoided this whole <laughs> section. <laughs> now, this was the part of the show that how ridiculous it was when she was trying to hide behind him. It was fun and funny. Go so behind the curtain that goes across yes. the stage. Yes. I mean, yes. <laughs> but it was so camp. Yeah. yeah. Again, it was it, done it, as camp. Like it was it, just... It felt like a kid's kid show. So they did a lot of Buzzy Berkeley, you know, camera shots. Yeah, so I that know. was kind of, okay, and, uh, this is what you're getting, right. but you don't see this from the stage. But there was always, but. the through line of realism came, always came from, it's like, almost like the doctor and the companion are straight men for the world. But this world was so campy, you'd think there was more of a through line. And I see Martha doing that, it was just... It seemed so out of character. 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 It, it character. also did seem out of character. Like, well, how did she think she was hiding? What did she really think was happening? And I think the establishing shot was odd because she was looking to her left. left I think it was a left. And came off from the right. So she was looking the opposite direction. Yeah, so I was expecting, right. you know, if you're looking at the television, mm-hmm. on the left, because that's where she was looking at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But she comes off off the right. Yeah. So, so just, weird. Even the Busby Berkeley number was so stereotypical. Right. The thing, though, I mean, I don't know. I'm not so well-versed in 1930s stage dance theater. <laughs> <laughs> really? No. But I thought you liked musical the theater. Thing about, <laughs> <laughs> the thing about the Busby Berkeley movies is that they were movies from the camera's point of view exactly it doesn't yes. work from an audience so you wouldn't have necessarily have a show that does that <laughs> for people sitting in a theater looking at you from the front no agreed he has a point it is a shame that Murray Gold said, I want to write, or they gave him opportunity to write that musical number or the song, mm-hmm. and then it feels like it's wasted. On the silly oh, the song's not bad. So I don't no, but I mean, like, I, like I don't remember the song. No, I, I remember either, the campiness, yeah. is what yeah. I'm saying. Oh, 
I guess I, I mean? block right. it out. I remember the song. Because it sounds like a good song. It is. It's very... no, by the way, they will use it again. Just as an Easter egg. It's in uh, It's in the end of time. It sounds very evocative of that time period, so I feel like he did a good job. Yes. But it reminds I me of Celestina Warbeck in <laughs> Diagon yes, Alley. it does. It is very Celestina Warbeck. But then I forget about it because of the stuff that I'm rolling my eyes at. Right, yeah. Right. When they go down into the uh, sewers again, this is where Tallulah really steps up mm-hmm. and actually stands up for herself saying, no, I'm going with you. Yeah. A lot of her other attributes that you see up till now. Damsel in distress. Is, right. Yeah. And again, maybe some people could see her as a potential companion material. Oh, no. Sorry, did I say no, that? No, I don't, I don't think so, but I think this is good. So it's I like, said oh, there's more. some people. <laughs> right. I didn't say the people here at this table. But I think it's a redeeming quality. You know, that's like, she is good. She is going to go yeah. and try and find what's going on and try and go, hey, if they took Martha, they could take Lazo. I'm going. Yeah. You know, it shows that she does have strength, which mm-hmm. is really nice. Except they don't do anything with it. Agreed. Nothing comes I agree. of it. But she, that's the whole theme of the episode is that they don't delve enough into all this. It feels as if there's a lot of setup, but no payoff for mm-hmm. any of it. Well, with her, the payoff is when she accepts Lazlo and she's... Shh, shh, shh. Well, no, that's... Yeah. It's not a surprise. But I, I think that, that, that was sort of like what everything about her was leading up to. That was a moment that right. they thought yeah. like, for a conceit of the show. The Doctor and Tallulah run into Lazlo. He still has his mind and the ability to speak because he was able to escape before they totally converted him. But he has the ears and the snout of a pig. He tells them that the Daleks scan the humans for intelligence. Those with low intelligence are transformed into the pigmen, while the others are taken somewhere else. They soon come across the group with Martha and Frank being taken to the laboratory for the final experiment. Laszlo tells Tallulah to go back to the theater, and then he and the doctor sneak into the group, going to the lab. And that's why they don't do anything with Tallulah. Yeah, I'm going down into the sewers with you. And then Laszlo says, now leave. And she leaves. That's what bugs me. Well, the doctor wants Laszlo and her yes. to go. And yeah. Laszlo says, well, no. you know the way back. You yep. go. So, and she yeah, and she goes. So it's like they do what they should do with the Laszlo character. Yeah. But the Tallulah character, mm-hmm. they don't know what to do with her. So, okay, we will get her off screen. We figure there'd be something more with Tallulah. It's very feminist to uh, write a scene where uh, a woman's going to love a man even though he's a pig. <laughs> <laughs> At the end, as she runs away, does she make a decision to go back, or does she not know how to get back? She, no, she can't figure. She gets I don't think okay. it's even said. But there, they, there's but a shot of her to... where she's looking both ways, mm-hmm. and then she turns around and is is scared. Like, is she in that moment? scared because she doesn't really know the way back or like the first time i watched it and even the second time my first inclination is she got lost she doesn't know the way back but i'm wondering if it could be taken mm. as she was going to go back and then decides to stay to yes yeah, maybe hmm. stay and try and find them but well she was on the right her, path going we'll back we'll find out in part two yeah i i like laszlo better as pig laszlo <laughs> than i did <laughs> like his acting got better we had more things to act with, you yeah. Know, more depth. And again, um, I do want to commend that actress's performance for when she does meet up with Laszlo again. Yeah, I want her to be better as a character. Yes, because, absolutely. Because the the actress is good, especially since the show starts off with her. Yeah, the episode that like immediately where we connect with her, we there's nothing not to like about her in that opening scene, and mm-hmm. she sounds like she's going to be annoying. Yes, but then she's not annoying. No, yeah. right? Yeah. I agree. Now this is where the doctor sees the Dalek and saying that they keep surviving and I lose everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great... So, yeah, so that's a good bit. But is it because he's still pining in about Rose and that decision that just happened in Doomsday? Or is it everything along with that, with the whole time war? I'm thinking it's still a little bit more Rose. I think it's fresh because it's Rose, but I think right. it's everything. I think, that's I what think the it's everything. I, I think it's say. everything. Yeah. Which is interesting. an interesting moment when we stop and think that the... Daleks were just having a conversation about we are then why are we losing if we're mm-hmm. if we're extinct so mm-hmm. like he's sitting there looking at them like they think they're so great that they're winning and while well, they're actually sitting right. there thinking like we're not winning right. we're losing there's a line that Tallulah said talking about what how her acting mm-hmm. when she says yet again with the no kidding I don't know something about the way she said that was really done well I love that line mm. when she's telling remember. him about wait a minute if 
you're saying they're not human. That kind of implies that they're from outer space oh. and all that. Oh, yeah. And he's giving her that look, you know, I'm like, do you think I'm, do I look like I'm kidding? Oh. You know, and then later on, uh, once again with the no kidding. And it's just how she's processing it. I loved how she worked that scene. Yeah. And I love that line. We, we get the line from when the doctor meets up with the group again. Kiss me later. He says that to Frank. Well, he says right. it to Martha. Right. Yeah. And then he says, and you can kiss me later too, Frank. And then Andrew Garfield gives that weird smirk. <laughs> oh, he gives it. Frank does. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome smirk. So I'm that's like, why I'm thinking there's like, not really a romance between he and yeah. Martha. No. For all the gay people watching, Frank just pinged. <laughs> Either that or that's just Andrew Garfield. And maybe that uh, was an ad lib line. It could be. Yeah, it could have I do kind of want to know the story yeah. behind the line, but I also don't want to ruin it ruined for me. Right. They enter the lab as the final experiment nears completion. Martha asks the Daleks to explain the final experiment. The Dalek states that Daleks must evolve to survive. Dalek Sec opens up and outsteps a human Dalek, the future of humanity. It's funny when you said Dalek Sec opens up, I was like, he's opening up to the group. <laughs> <laughs> He's having his share. <laughs> he requested the talking stick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm Sack, and I'm a Dalek. Hi, Sack. <laughs> Welcome, Sack. <laughs> it's been four days since I've exterminated. <laughs> I've been feeling a little angry at the world lately. <laughs> it kills if you kill it. <laughs> I did not like his head. <laughs> no. no. I don't like having the one eye. I got to tell you, though, that eye, to me, seems very expressive. It does. Yes. Like, it doesn't I, yes. seem like... Because, you know, I mean, technically, someone else is controlling that. Thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And it really seems to react to his acting. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. It and, is. Uh, you, you can get an emotion from that eye. Which is a shame. But the because rest. <laughs> it doesn't work for me. At all. Right. And his gloves are gone. Okay, so let me. I was going to get to that. So what happened when they were doing that? They backing up to Gridlock. When you have Brannigan, the the Cat Man, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's wearing a full on costume with gloves because they didn't have enough money for prosthetic hands. Okay. So it's just his face, and so that's what they normally do with these types of makeup aliens. And so when they were doing that with uh, Diagoras. They were thinking along those same lines. So that's why he puts on those gloves before he gets converted. And then when they revealed to them what the prosthetics would be, they were like, oh, we have these gloved hands that, you know, he's alien hands. They're like, oh, we thought it was, there wasn't going to be there. (laughs) Oh, so, oh, well, yeah, kind of a moment. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. Do you know, is the human Dalek played by the same yes. actor as Diagoras? it is played by the yes. same actor, Eric Lauren. And the way he, I guess this will be ha- happening next episode, but mm-hmm. when he's talking to other people, he can't hear them because of the mechanisms operating oh. the eye oh and so the tentacles. So what he does is he waits for Tenant to stop talking and then he says his lines. Really? Oh, so he can hear... Can he a, see? He can only see. He can see through the the, oh. the no, nostril holes underneath mm. the eye. Uh, and I do have to say, I was looking at that going, well, where does, what does he see through? It's, it's one great. of those things, though. In the next episode, as it went on, I started to enjoy it. Mm. But I also liked it. Yeah, I, I thought I thought they sold it. I thought his performance sold it. Mm. But in this episode, again, when you only see a minute of it, and all it is is a silly-looking thing... It's ridiculous. Yeah. It didn't feel organic that it was combined. It didn't no, feel like I it agree was with that. part of the body that was you see in front of you. And it's a human Dalek. So he's got right. a human body and a Dalek head. No subtlety whatsoever. Yeah. The Daleks came from the Kalids who were humanoid. And when you saw, especially in this new incarnation in the episode Dalek, that it looked like a human face that's been altered and yep, just minute. so it had one eye open but you could see where the other eye would oh, be you could and yes. the mouth and the nose and you can see it's it was been oh, all kind of melted it, like melted down and is, closed oh wait in this episode or no, that? no no, 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 no in the other one with christopher Eccleston. right yeah 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 you know so you could see that and that's how they were presenting it for this you know region but it's version, sort of been you know, the new versions of it so this seemed like somebody didn't i don't know why do their research get it's more than that yeah and that's what, this is my own, I know a lot of other people don't agree, but that was my pet peeve of, you didn't take what you've established two well, seasons ago of what the Dalek looks like inside there mm-hmm. and keep with it. 
Well, I I, I, I noticed that uh, Laszlo's teeth were filed down like they do to pigs and stuff. And if he was only a pig for a week or two, then, you know, it wouldn't be that teeth right. wouldn't be that long. And who would file that down? It would actually actually be really sharp or, or long and pointed. I wondered well, about that. Oh, yeah. you did? I did. Um, because that's how they developed the DNA to <laughs> when they were doing it. <laughs> oh, maybe. Okay, there you go. Because yeah, sure. all of them were the exact same. So it's like, okay, that's part of the programming of the DNA. Or, to you know, maybe they the did slice. that so they couldn't fight back. Mm. I did wonder that, too. Yeah, I did. It's like, did the Daleks do that so that they couldn't damage? There's things. little things like that that I wish <laughs> they would have spent more time on. Why are, why are we got the pigmen? I mean, why well, are they? Oh, I mean, you well, know, you're Daleks. They, use, they right? use pigs in experiments that are, it's, they are very genetic. I think they're genetically close to people, actually. Yeah, but. Explain it. But <laughs> in the <laughs> script of this story, the Daleks said, we need slaves. Right. So we're going to take human beings and make them look like pigs. Right. It's like more work than but is needed. But they also needed to experiment with human DNA in order to do the final experiment, which was the combination oh, of Dalek and human. Is. So this was their this was figuring in between. out human yeah. DNA. And also we needed slaves. that to be said okay. from yeah. a Dalek. Yeah. Again, we yes. needed that. Let's do another pass on the script. <laughs> they tried cows, no, frogs. No, no, no. As Auburn would say, it's either brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's they did. That's that whole intelligent test part. I know. I just think the pig men are stupid. I think they should have had a line in there to explain why yeah. they chose pigs. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, another thing, uh, <laughs> Mr. Diagoras, even though we hate that name, he's named after the 5th century BC Greek poet, Diagoras the Atheist. Mm. That's where that horrible name comes from. All right. <laughs> so if he believed in God, he would have had a better name? Probably. Mm. <laughs> Tallulah was based on Jodie Foster from uh, Bugs. Bugsy Malone. Oh, of us who yeah. Or older. Remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> her name is Tallulah. Anyway. Oh, her name so, is Tallulah in the movie? <laughs> yeah, Judy oh, Foster's character is Tallulah. I was thinking Tallulah Bankhead, who was a. Which was also actress. part of the whole Bugsy Malone, uh-huh. 30s gangsters, and all that. But for me, Tallulah, I don't know, more of the actress and how they dressed her up reminded me a lot more of Leslie Ann Warren. She did look like Leslie Ann Warren. She does. Yeah. She part reminded really me does. a lot of uh, Ellen. Was it Ellen? Um, not Ellen Foley. From from um, Little Shop of Horrors, Ellen Green. Yes, mm. yes. yes, that's who she reminded me the most of because she had that ac- same type of accent and that very put dialect. On. Yeah. But Leslie Ann Warren was also in Victor Victoria Victor, with right. the blonde wig, yeah. playing that same well, that, type of that showgirl. character is a very a uh, stereotypical Stereotype. character, right? And like I said, from Singing in the Rain. Right. I can't stand them. <laughs> <laughs> people. Like, we laughed the first time. People. <laughs> we laughed the first time. That's kidding. <laughs> Daleks in Manhattan. This episode is good for who? Or specifically, who is this episode good for? A new viewer, a casual viewer, a fan of the show, or a diehard? You probably already figured out from my comments how I feel about this episode. But one thing that's interesting is... Before I started watching this episode for our podcast, I thought these were great episodes. I thought these were really good episodes. And I did. And I would always talk to Eugene going, how come you don't like those episodes? I just don't get it. And then I watched them again. <laughs> I'm really torn between a fan of Doctor Who and a diehard. That's what I really think about it. There's just so much in here that I think there's not to like. And it's difficult. It's like, because of how I used to think about this episode, it's like, well, well, no, it should be, it should be better. But when you watch it in practice, maybe it's not that good. But now after the podcast, and even though everything that we've said, we've also brought up some good stuff. So there is little bits and pieces in here that we can find this good. So I think I'll be kind. And I'll say that um, it should be uh, the category of you should already be a fan of Doctor Who. I was going to say Die Hard, because because of everything we were talking about but i wouldn't consider myself a diehard and this is one of those episodes where i thought i was gonna hate it again and then i'm watching it and i liked it a lot more and i remembered liking it all, all these silly episodes end up being that way for me but and again i think that's also because i already know how silly they are so i don't have an expectation but i don't think it's a good episode but i enjoy it and i'm not a diehard fan so i would say a fan i don't particularly remember disliking these episodes or really liking them they do i think stand out in 
my memory because the Dalek, the human Dalek hybrid is such a rememberable thing. Laszlo being a pig slave person is really rememberable. And even after watching this a couple times uh, yesterday and today, uh, I mean, it's still enjoyable. I'm going to go with uh, a number two. It's good for a casual viewer. I think you definitely I would not present this to somebody as a first time Doctor Who viewer, but I don't quite have the not the hate, but the dislike <laughs> that maybe uh, Brian or Josh have. So I'm going to say go. hate. OK, the, I don't have the hate that Brian has. <laughs> so I'm going to say a casual viewer. You should know a little bit about the whole Doctor Who universe. Yeah, it's also not a very doctory episode. He's right. not really his usual self. No, he's not. But it might be fun for like an American or somebody who's like into that period of time or into, mm-hmm. you know, more like showy Broadway. Like, because you get some of those, like you get a dance number, you get some costumes, you get that world that's apparently very accurate, according to Josh, as <laughs> no. far as the accents. Dialect wise. Dialect wise. <laughs> So you I'll can't stick get with Josh off Broadway <laughs> with two for a casual viewer. I definitely would not introduce this, use this episode to introduce somebody yeah. to Doctor Who. So I was with Brian saying that it's either for the fan or the diehard. I'm just trying to look at what our categories are going, because I don't like the episode all that much because I think it's too much exposition setting up for the other episode, not it's an episode good enough in its entirety. It's not a standalone. It needs that second half to complete yeah. the story. Not enough is happening in here to hold interest to it. And, uh, you know, for the fourth category we have, which is a diehard. Just because I don't think most of the others, either new, casual, or even a fan, are going to pick this episode or two episodes to watch. I agree. If it's on, they might leave it on or they might fast forward. I think the diehard will see some of the good stuff that we picked into this. And go, you know, I want to see that again. You know, and I'm still on that borderline of diehard to fans because it's like, I might want to pick this actually and see it again <laughs> for what it has and what it offers. So I'm going to go for diehard. For me, this episode is very inconsistent. The doctor's behavior isn't the doctor. They set up a lot of things that we don't get payoffs to. I want Tallulah to be stronger. Laszlo is, is weird that he's better as a pig. Diagoras, I hate that name. I hate, <laughs> I hate the way that the the hybrid looks like at the end. The plot could be taken out of this period piece and put into any any other setting. It's just for me. It's just a diehard. I really wanted to do these two episodes as one. <laughs> like I I, to, I think I told Arlene, watch these two without me. <laughs> so there are our thoughts on the Daleks in Manhattan. Join us next time for the conclusion of this two-part episode, When the Future Becomes the Present. You've just listened to an episode of Who Knew? Our wonderful theme music is by Michael Grady. Find him on Facebook at The Universe Explodes. All our episodes are engineered by our very own Auburn. Find me at auburnbinkley.com. You can find this show in several places. Follow us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcasts. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Who Knew Podcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. You can leave comments there or email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. This podcast is inspired by Doctor Who, the longest running sci-fi show in history, and especially the revival spearheaded by Russell T. Davis. Thanks to Russell, Sidney Newman, Verity Lambert, Ron Grainer, and all those involved in the adventures of our favorite Time Lord. Your work continues to inspire and entertain. That will be it. <laughs> edit that out. This will be edited out. We're like an edit. Oh, yeah. joke. Ha, ha, ha. I don't need that. <laughs> Pity laughter. <laughs> I'll take that laughter. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dog. I do what? <laughs>